0: You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. Today's topics will be FSCONS 2011, Kaizendo and GNU Parallel. (music) Hello everyone, you might know me as CT or perhaps Kenneth from All In IT Radio. Today we'll talk a bit about FSCONS this year you remember in a past episode of Hacker Public Radio I mentioned a bit about the conference in general but I thought I would mention a few of the topics we will have a privilege of hearing this year. Among other speakers we will hear Jeremiah Foster again, you've already heard an interview with him he will talk about embedded free software, open source in your car, which is right up his alley. We will hear a talk about accessibility for Qt and KDE of course, there will be a talk about Bitcoin. We will hear a talk by Joan Thelin about Necessitas, cute on Android. That's quite interesting. If you're not in the KDE camp, we will hear a talk named The Design of Gnome 3 by a man called Andreas Nilsson. We'll hear the topic Erlang Embedded Simulation. How to run successful contributor sprints. That's in the free desktop environments category for some reason. The keynote the first day, no, the second day, sorry, Saturday, will be held by none other than the famous Richard Stallman. And it is not one of his ordinary titles, because this talk is entitled Dialogue with Richard Stallman. Might be something to look forward to. We'll hear some coverage of the OpenRISK project, theming GTK Plus applications with CSS, that sounds interesting. We'll hear Catch Them Early, Free Software in Education by Guido Arnold. We'll hear talk about Arduino, and we'll have some workshops of course. will be some coverage of Wikileaks. And there'll be some people talking about all these self-building machines. It's a man called Johan Söderberg who will talk under the theme of reproducing machines, reproducing economic relations. We'll hear the theme the revolution will not be televised but will it be on YouTube. And Sunday's keynote will be under the theme hackers for social justice by Christina Haralanova and there are another talk at Sunday afternoon which I will catch named Steed Saddle Up for Instant Encryption. It's about mail encryption. It seems very interesting. There are also some Python talk and there will be another Python event in association with FSCONS which I don't remember at the moment where it was but it's somewhere in Gothenburg. You can probably look that up for yourselves. Anyway, I'm looking forward to FS Cons this year although this show will probably be aired after FS Cons has taken place. I hope to get some good interviews this year as well. From last year I have a few other tidbits, a few other gold nuggets for you. We will start off with a man from Norway. His name is Salve J Nielsen and he had a talk named Kaizendo, customizable schoolbooks. He is active in the local free software communities in Oslo, Norway. He is an organizer of several conferences, he's a Perl hacker, and currently he works on kaizendo.org, which is a tool for creating customizable textbooks. If you have a look at that webpage, it says, "Imagine a schoolbook where the pupil and her teacher can choose the topic depth, clarity of text, and homework difficulty as needed." and necessary. Add alternatives for teachers, supporting different instructional methods, teaching styles, schools, variations in chapter content based on time constraints and policy, and parents, having a topic summary to read before helping with homework. This is what we mean with customizable textbooks. It's a very interesting concept, but I started off with asking him the aged-old question, why are you here?
1: I gave a talk first uh, at ten o'clock yesterday about my project, and it's both that and meet people and look what's going on and uh, look at all. It's a it's a nice and uh, uh, feeling to this whole conference. It's my second time, and all right. so it's in general just this. I have to go to this one every year now. It's a cool place to be.
0: Oh, it is. I heard your presentation. It was uh, very nice. Oh, cool. Uh, tell Thank me you. a little bit about it. Right. Uh,
1: I'm trying to make a piece of software together with a bunch of people. It's free software licensed, uh, AGPL, um, where we want to create a, a tool that you can use to write textbooks that can be individually customized to suit the needs of the reader. That's the basic problem we're trying to solve. We want to have textbooks for school kids that can be customized in such a way that they spend, it's more interesting for them to read that they spend less time or if they have some physical problems like dyslexia or something like that then it it, it takes, it, the, uh, the book also helps with them to manage this and still keep up the, the learning rate as the rest of the class. That's a, idea here. How old is the project? Um, It's been mulling around in my brain for like 10 years. Uh, I started it properly just about a year ago when I quit my old job and said, "All right, I want to try and do this and see if I can make it. Um, We've had code uh, uh, working since May. Uh, Quite a few of the preparations we've been doing. I have a, a uh, partner in crime called Sein Sensen. Uh, he um, and I, we've also been trying to look at not only how to solve this problem and how to make use of all kinds of interesting technologies, but also seeing if we can make business out of this too. Uh, we want to make a, a free software based business in order to make sure that. What we do it has a viable life cycle around it so that it doesn't just disappear if some of us uh, get hit by the bus, basically.
0: Yeah, right. I work as a teacher in secondary education here in Sweden. Oh, cool. And, uh, well, I would like to use what you're talking about. I, I would like the result. But there isn't, there aren't any real results, there aren't any books to use yet. Or
1: are no, no, there? no the cool thing here is that there are books today uh, right. c- quite a few of them. I, I'm not entirely sure about the Swedish state of the uh, uh, world but in Norway we uh, where I come from we have uh, something called the National Digital Learning Arena where basically 18 out of 19 uh, counties have decided to pool their money to build not to, to buy the complete rights for uh, a bunch of school books. I think uh, they have 19 topics now. And uh, then build, uh, uh, by basically by time of teachers and enthusiasts so they can gradually improve the text in those books so that they fit better to what's needed in the classroom. So, And those books are Creative Commons share-like, non-commercial licensed. And they also tend to remove the non-commercial bits, so it's even possible to create business around that. So, so, this is the situation in Norway. Uh, If you just look around uh, for Open Education Resources uh, web pages, like the OER Grapevine, or if you look at Wikibooks, plenty of other books that are a good basis to start improving on. That's what I'm trying to do. It's. It's. I don't. I can't give a book to anyone yet. But I would like at least to have there that there's a tool so we can make those books, and we we just need to start with one book really. That is the good old one-story beginning, middle, end type, and then add uh, the customizations to it that's needed for the different types of people and their
0: problems. All right, but isn't. Uh, doing a book for a dyslectic or for any kid or for other special needs, isn't that writing three, four, five different books, essentially?
1: Yes, Uh, it it is. And uh, probably more even. Uh, Like uh, if you have uh, a book that's uh, for... Uh, talented kids, like kids that learned early how to read very quickly and basically they are bored in the classroom. Then maybe you want more information, but uh, who knows, maybe some of them uh, are interested in a specific topic, so they would like to have uh, more information around it or uh, on that topic uh, in that chapter. Uh, Or they uh, have a a week where they uh, figure out that they don't have time. Or if you have all the combinations of of uh, issues that you want to solve, somebody who is both interested in in-depth information of some historical fact and is a dyslectic, so you, you, the combination uh, there, there is a danger of a combination combinatorial explosion, basically in how much is you have to write. So, so there is basically only one way of doing that, and that's first of all see what's needed, and then. Secondly, most importantly, uh, is make sure that those people who have a need get the opportunity to, to add it to the text. So it basically has to be written in public in some way. But at the same time, you want it to be one coherent story that's being told, so you can actually use it as a kind of a guideline for what's going on in the classroom and when you bring your book home to do your homework. Uh, so, you still need the language to be consistent. The, the pacing of the story has uh, just about the same thing. Maybe, maybe some versions of the text uh, ha- uh, don't give as much background information, so it's less to read. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but still, it, it's a It's kind of the same story, however, you write it. So, you can take one version of the book and put it next to you the other one and check is the story right? Uh, is right. Uh, 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 each uh, point raised throughout the text, are they in the correct order, is the, is the tone of the language the same. You can do comparisons like that and s- still manage to make it not too difficult to write this. Uh, it's still a hell of a lot of work, but... uh you can't make make it anyway because we have like the web and we, we we know that writing immensely large hugely complicated texts is quite possible today if you look at some like the linux kernel that's text too yeah, sure. yes and and basically what we're trying to do is make that way of writing texts available to regular authors who want to write school books
0: but uh, what you're talking about well, and of course that that's your idea yep. is the, the the tool to create it. How will you display it? Is your idea to print? the different Uh, versions uh, of the book or uh, any multimedia?
1: No, No? Uh, not multimedia. Uh, uh, Right right now, I'm basically thinking, let's just make a web page with the content. And I'm focusing on what's needed for the textual content and supporting images. Uh, But the thing here is, in order to make this happen, it must be easy to copy and change, update. And if we put multimedia in there, Uh, say a flash animation or a visualization of some chemical process or whatever, uh, and somebody selects that animation and says, oh, by the way, I don't understand this. Could you do this and this in order to improve how this point is raised? Then there is no trivial way of making an update to that specific aspect of that specific animation. So it's kind of a, we can't touch that. There's always, uh, there's already uh, hundreds of projects out there who do the interactive thing, but let's try and do something with the text thing, the basics basically. That's what I'm trying to do here. And when it comes to publishing, uh, well we have straightforward HTML right now, so putting it on a web page and using that is simple. uh, Making it uh, readable on handheld dev- devices is a, is a matter of tweaking the CSS f- files basically, <laughs> right. uh, and converting that into something you can send to the, the print shop for your own custom book is, is a doable problem. That's something that uh, was solved uh, and in a very pleasing manner like five years ago. Right. Uh, and I can point at the book that actually did that. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, you're correct. The problem is creating the text.
1: Yes, it is. So uh, that's the really difficult bit. And, well, a nice tool that you can use for cooperation and giving feedback and using the feedback for writing the next revision of that text and having some way of basically saying this text is now good enough so we c- make book version 1.2 available if, if you want to use that one in your classroom, and just use it. And so it's, it's think about treating textbooks like that software projects. It's, it's same thing, is but instead of having one edition every two years, you have one every two weeks if you want to.
0: Very exciting. One last question. Yes. What should I do? As I said, I'm a teacher. I really want to consume, I don't produce that much. Yeah. But what should I do? How can I well, right
1: now we're trying to set up a project. Okay, we have a project, we have people hacking on the code. We're trying to do make a prototype right now. We have running code that doesn't do much yet, but we have a very clear idea of what we want to do. Uh, we still need feedback and we need uh, uh, on, uh, on the usage eventually. Uh, we're planning on doing something that uh, uh, makes uh, the code available for people to basically browse the website and give feedback. Uh, might take a few months before we are there. This is kind of, we're doing this on our spare time. All right. None of us is paid to do this, even if I have, hopefully, some kind of viable commercial uh, future in there somewhere. Uh, uh, so if you want to help, it's uh, go to kaisendo.org, uh, this, that's a wiki uh, with some basic information, see if there's something that interests you, log on there, uh, uh, f- fix the text there. If you have questions, uh, we have an IRC channel on Freenode called Kaisendo. Um, And if you uh, want to get a picture of what's going on, slow progression or even have some questions or discussions, we have a mailing list. It's all on the wiki. Uh, It's kaisendo.org. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: Splendid. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So is that cool or what? In Norway they buy textbooks and release them under Creative Commons. I just have to say, way to go Norway. As a teacher, I really like the sound of this. To be able to adapt a text to pupils who read way ahead or need more time to take in the material, to actually be able to give them what they need through the material that you have. You don't have to think on your feet all the time. It sounds great. Next in line to be interviewed was a man from Denmark, our other neighboring country up here in the cold north. His name was Ole Tange, and he gave a talk about GNU Parallel. He also had a terrible cold this day, so we we were happy he actually showed up at all. And you could hear on his voice that he wasn't actually feeling that well all the time. But he was a trooper, and we're glad he came. He runs the large sequencing computers at the Bioinformatics Center in Copenhagen, Denmark. And if you read about GNU Parallel at the gnu.org website, you find that it says, GNU Parallel is a shell tool for executing jobs in parallel using one or more computers. A job can be a single command or a small script that has to be run for each of the lines in the input. The typical input is a list of files, a list of hosts, a list of users, a list of URLs or a list of tables. A job can also be a command that reads from a pipe. GNU Parallel can then split the input and pipe it into commands in parallel. Intrigued yet? Well, here he is. The man behind the program. And I started out by asking him what he thought about uh, the whole situation at FSCons and his talk.
2: So, um, so I was quite happy that uh, people qu- quite understood what I was talking about. Because <laughs> right, that's always the problem when you're talking to an audience that you don't always know what level you can go at. Oh, of
1: course.
2: Um, and clearly this audience already knew what we were talking about and, and, and it was the right audience and they knew XRX and when you knew XRX, ah, new parallels sort of comes in automatically. Um, so it was good to to uh, tell that to people, and I got a few ideas while talking to them, so in the next version of GNU Parallel you will see some extra features.
0: I heard a few comments that, um, well, they thought there weren't enough technical talks and presentations here, so you fell well in with that crowd. Ah, that's good then. Me, on the other hand, I'm not quite that technical. Of course, I I live on the command line to some extent, Mm. but I can't really think of when would I use Parallel? Well, you would use
2: Parallel since you're making you're making audio, right? So let's assume that you have all these audio files and you want to convert the audio files from MP3 to AUK? Right? So you have a thousand of those files. And you have a computer with four cores. Right, So you want to run four jobs in parallel. You don't want a thousand to run in parallel, but you want four in parallel. And that's where GNU Parallel really shines, because you simply go to the directory, and then you type the command you want to run, and you put, put parallel in front of it, you do three colons, and your arguments afterwards, and you're done
0: and in my head that translates as all right should i actually learn to use parallel or should i just leave the computer over the night yeah well the,
2: the learning curve is really 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 small if you're, right. if if what you're doing if, if you already know how to uh, use your encoder true, and Basically what you just, instead of putting the word nice in front of the name, you put the word parallel in front of the name. And instead of giving the arguments, you do three colons, and then you give the arguments, for instance a star, or a star.mp3, and then you're done. Right. That That is fairly simple, right? And, and, and yeah, there are way more uh, fancy features. but. Most users, they stop by just doing that. And um, uh, even me as, as the author, that is the uh, command I use all the time. In my daily life, oh, I just need to do this on a thousand files or a thousand users. I just do that. The three colon thing, really, really easy. And it gets the job done. And um, it gets the job faster than doing it overnight.
0: All right. I heard one question that was in the air afterwards if you would like well let's say you have a couple of dozen yes. servers and you want to do something you want to do an update perhaps a yeah. security update something on all of them yeah is this possible for parallel or is it the wrong that use is, case for that it? is
2: that is exactly the wrong use case all right but but you're not the first one to make that assumption and, and saying so so parallel does not run the same commands on a lot of servers. No, all right. It runs different commands on a lot of servers with different arguments and then get the results back. What you're looking for is documented in glue Parallels manning page because others have made that. Um, <laughs> assumption. So of course in the main page it'll say well there's there are some alternative tools that does more or less the same and the one you're looking for is probably something like Cluster SSH um, which would then uh, open a window to each of your servers and then have a master window and you type in the master window, it goes to all the servers and then you move your mouse to another one of the windows and it only does to that server um, and that is made for that. You can force GNU Parallel to be a poor man's version of that, because you can give a list of servers and say, run this command, and your argument would then be the host name. But but there are tools that are actually made for it, GNU Parallel is not made for that. When did Parallel become GNU Parallel? Fairly recently. It did it this this, uh, spring. Um, Parallel has been in development for quite a few years, Um, and it, it didn't become GNU before I felt that it was stable enough.
0: Oh, all right. Was that the reason why you waited?
2: Mm, Not quite, but that's a good excuse, right? All right.
0: Is it included in any Linux distribution today?
2: Well, um, to be honest, uh, I'm I'm not good at keeping track of that because I can see their packages turning up here and there. And I'm not sure if they're included in the main branch or only an experimental branch. But I know there's uh, packages for Debian, there are packages for uh, CentOS, there are packages for SUSE, there's packages for FreeBSD, there's packages for Solaris, there's packages for... yeah, Really a lot of the distributions, but I don't know if they made it into the main branch.
0: No, okay. And still, it's basically just a Perl script. You can't download, download the file and just run it? Yes, and, and not just basically, it is! All right. <laughs> so,
2: so it totally is only a Perl script, and uh, even the main page is generated from the Perl script, so so it really, re, it really is only that Perl script.
0: Why Perl? Because
2: that was the language I knew better.
0: All right. Okay, Emacs or Vi?
2: Ooh, I'm going to offend a lot of users now. There are going to be Vi users that I'm going to offend.
0: Indeed. <laughs> All right, so Emacs it is. Uh, Interesting. Well, uh, I almost understood that when you, on your slide, you showed Emacs first, (laughs) then VI, as an afterthought. Uh, But it was uh, sensitive of you. (laughs) 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 All right, thank you. You're welcome. So, if you didn't have GNU Parallel in your arsenal of tools, have a look at it. And that's all for today, folks. We've had two really nice interviews and two really nice projects you can have a look at. Of course you will find all the relevant links and the links to both Salves and Ullas' talks at FSCONS in the show notes. They are both on Vimeo if you are interested and I will leave the links for the respective projects homepage as well. HBR Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike. 3.0 license.